You are listening to a Victory Alabang podcast. Christ's radical love compels us to minister to others. Discover the truth of our call to discipleship in this message by Pastor Ariel Marquez. Today we are going through our series entitled Radical. Can you say that word with me? Radical. And uh, it reminds us of the small beginnings of this ministry when we started back in 1984. Now, I believe that many of you have gotten saved in this church, and some of you have joined us from other churches, but we're taking this time. It's a month-long celebration for us to be able to look at the core values that we have as a movement and as a ministry. The core values are the ones that shape us. It determines how we live. It gives us some guidelines on how we are to do our life and ministry. And just to give us a, just a quick review, this is our third installment. We've talked about lordship during the first week. And the, you know, the summary statement that we have for lordship is Jesus, period. Everybody say Jesus, period. Jesus, period. And that sums up our belief that in everything that we do, we want to glorify the Lord. And it's, you know, he's, he's, you know, it's Jesus, period. It's a summation of everything that we want to do in life. That we want to give the glory to Him and Him alone. Uh, last week we talked about evangelism and we talked about the 99 and the 1 and that we found out that God values the lost. And how many of you are glad that God values lost people? That God, you know, even before when we were yet sinners, He sent His Son Jesus to die on the cross for us so that, you know, He can pay the penalty for our sins. And in the same way that we were reached out by somebody, I believe that it is also our responsibility to reach out to other people. Now, you know, I asked this, you know, I think last week, how many of you still have people in your household, in your family, maybe some friends, maybe people in the office or schools that are not yet saved or they don't know Christ personally? Can we, can we say a show of hands there? Okay, I believe that's all of us, right? And it's, it's, it's difficult for us to, uh, to expect the pastors or the full-time minister to do the work of an evangelist. I believe that every one of us should be doing the work of an evangelist. Basically, an evangelist is somebody that tells the good news. And the good news is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And how many of you know the gospel of Christ? That He came here, He died for our sins, He was buried for three days, and He rose again from the dead. He lived the life that we should have lived, and He died the death that we should have died. And He also paid the penalty for our sins. So that is the message of evangelism that we have, that we have in many of us. You know, we have our own personal testimonies. It doesn't really replace the gospel, but I believe that your testimony is your unique contribution to, your, to the gospel. It helps validate the gospel of Jesus Christ in your own personal life. And today we're going to be looking at discipleship. Discipleship basically is really what we, uh, you know, one word we always emphasize in this church. And there are two statements that we also say, we all say, it's honor God and make disciples. Everybody say, honor God, make disciples. So, you know, we, we, we believe in the Great Commission. And we're going to be unpacking that this morning, uh, discipleship. Next week, we're going to be looking at leadership. Everybody say, leadership. I believe that all of us have been anointed by God to lead somebody. You know, if you think you're not a leader, think again. 
The moment that you influence somebody for something, you are a leader. You lead that person in good things. You're a good influence. Whether you lead that person to you know, a restaurant, you lead that person to a nice movie, you lead that person in the area of family, you lead that person in church, you are also called to lead. And we believe and we highly value leadership in our church. And lastly, our fifth core value is that core value of family. Everybody say family. We love family. You know, we consider, you know, this as a spiritual family, but God also has given us our natural family. That's why we invest heavily on trainings and seminars, equipping. You know, the reason why Pastor Francis took the time to announce parenting over rules is because, you know, we believe in the, in the importance of us raising up the next generation. And I believe that, you know, this nation will be blessed Tremendously someday. How many of you know that? And how many of you believe that? Blessed is the nation as God is the Lord. Amen. Amen. And I believe that righteousness will exalt a nation, but sin is a disgrace to any people. And I believe that if, if you will want to have righteousness you know, come into this nation, we need to disciple the next generation. That's why we always emphasize family. We always emphasize the importance of young children. We always emphasize, and you probably hear me, you know, I always mention, you know, uh, my, one of my favorite verses in the Bible, Psalm 127, unless the Lord builds the house, it's builders labor in vain. It's God building our home. And I believe that we need to look to God as the, as the one that puts in the right foundation. But at the same time, we need to do our role as well. The Bible says in Proverbs, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. That's why I believe it's always important for us as parents, don't ever miss this opportunity for you to train your children, because guess what? You only have a short time with your children. You know, I was just looking at my daughter, Bea, the other day, 22 years old already. It was just very recent that I was just, you know, sending her to school. She's riding at the back of my car, buckling up. And now she's buckling up on her own, riding her own car, driving on. It's, it's so quick. You know, I don't want to be nostalgic and be sentimental this morning. But the reality is, our kids will grow fast. They grow up fast. In the twinkling of an eye, parang, parang big, some baby, and then a young child, and then a teenager, and then, wow, an adult. Don't miss the opportunity to enjoy every season in your child's life. That's why attend the parenting seminar. In lang yun. <laughs> I took this time to announce that and really emphasize. Really, it's it's really important for us guys to be able to raise up our future, our generation. And um, you know, what a better way for us to be able to know the importance and the goals for each particular stage. And so um, that's going to be on August two. And I, I hope that both husband and wife should be there. Husbands, don't delegate this role to your wife to attend the seminar. Fathers need to be there. How many dads do we have in this place? Please raise your hand. All right. Wala na ibang daddy, okay? <laughs> no, just, you know, seriously, I, I want to encourage you. I'm not mad at you this morning. I just want to encourage you to, to, be, to attend that particular parenting style. I hope that it will work out with your schedule. All right, today we're emphasizing on the word discipleship. And, you know, we've, you know, I think we're bombarded by all these messages. The particular song that you've seen in the video, you know, it, it's just one tune. We will go. Everybody say, we will go. We will go. 
And that's really what it, it's all about. God wants us to go. Look at the person beside you and tell that person, God wants you to go. And tell the other person, I am going. <laughs> Not yet now, okay? Don't go yet. But, you know, we're called to go. Two-thirds of the name of God is go, G-O. You know, God believes in going. God believes in going so much that He sent His only Son to come down from heaven to earth. That's why I believe that it is so important for us to really hear the message of God this morning. And the message is simple. Don't just sit down, go. Don't just stay, go. Don't stay in your comfort zone, go. Discipleship is simply going out. Discipleship is really obeying what the Lord has for us. And in this church, you know, ever, you know, if you look at the, you know, like right now, here in our own local congregation in Victory, Alabang, we're running, what, nine services? Uh, no, ten already. We have two youth services, a Friday night and a Saturday afternoon at three o'clock. And we have two Saturday uh, adult services, regular services, the five and the seven. And we have six uh, services on Sunday. So that's ten services. And guess what? There are only ten pastors in the church. Ten services, ten pastors. Right now, we are running about 11,000 people coming to this church. How many of you know that God is an amazing God? Amen. That He gives grace to us. Amen. He, he's the one who, gives it, he, who brings in the harvest. He's the, bringing, he's the bringer of the harvest. But, you know, if, if the work is only to be done by the full-time people, you know, there's just too, ma- too much work to be done. But I believe that each and every one of us has a specific role in our church. Look at the person beside you again and tell that person, you have a role here. Yeah. Okay, thank you for being participative this morning. In fact, you know, I believe that every member is a minister. Everybody say that, word, uh, that, that statement with me. Every member is a minister. Once again. Every member is a minister. You know, we believe that so much, we printed a shirt. Every member a minister. You know, you see that on the, on the uh, whatever that is, a banner. We believe this so much. You know, we, this is part of the core value that we have as a church. We believe in equipping people. We believe that every one of us are called to serve. Every one of us are called to minister. Every one of us are called to be a disciple and to make disciples. And so basically that's the message that I have, a simple message that you will hear from me this morning. I'd like to invite everyone to stand with me. We're going to be reading from Matthew chapter 28. A very familiar text for many of you, but I don't mind repeating it again for the second time once more. You English teachers will correct me later on. All right, let's begin verse 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority, everybody say, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Okay, let's all read this next verse. Verse 19, 1, 2, 3. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Verse 20. And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always 
to the very end of the age. Father, we welcome you this morning. We, Holy Spirit, we thank you for being our teacher and our guide. Lord, we thank you that you have given this great commission not only to the first century apostles and disciples, but even in this 21st century, Lord God, we are hearing the same message. It reverberates in our hearts and in our ears today, Lord God, to go out there and make disciples. Lord, we thank you that you will help us to be able to obey this command that you have given your church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may all be seated. You know, when Jesus finished his earthly ministry, this was basically his last words to the church. And, you know, if you will study closely the Gospels, if you read the account of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, how many years did Jesus prepare in order for him to start this ministry? 30 years. When he was 30 years old, that was the time that he went out and started this ministry. And he ministered for three years. Everybody say three years. 30 years of preparation, of growing up as a natural, you know, a, a human being, a, a, a boy, becoming a young man. And then, of course, we know that when he was a young boy, he, he uh, went to his father's temple. And so, you know, part of that is really in preparation for him to be able to not prepare for him, but prepare the people, prepare the church. And for three years, he did the ministry, but at the same time, in his mind, his time here on earth is temporary. And if you are a wise builder, which he is, how many of you know that you will build for the long haul? I believe that every family, every father here should always think that way. Every dad, every mom, every parent here should always think multi-generationally. That when you raise up a child, you're not just raising up that generation, but guess what? You are raising the next generation and the generation after that. Whatever seeds that you've planted will be passed down from generation to generation. And in the mind of Jesus, he had that, that one day he will leave behind his disciples, not really totally leave them behind. In fact, he gave them a promise, I'll be with you always. But he's not here physically. So he was entrusting the work of ministry to the disciples. And, you know, we, we are familiar with Jesus because he was ministering. He would, you know, lay hands on the sick. He would feed the multitudes. He would preach the gospel. But we would also see that Jesus is one person that knows how to empower because every time he would minister, he would call his 12 and meet them in a small group. How many of you know that Jesus believes in small groups as well? He may not call it victory groups, but he believes in small groups. He believes in the importance of discipleship. He is the author of discipleship, by the way. And we are only following after him. So it's interesting to note that the starting point of this is verse 18. When Jesus came to them after the resurrection, and this is the resurrection chapter. Earlier, you will read in Matthew 28, the resurrection of Christ. And then later on, Jesus came to them and said, All authority. Everybody say, All authority again. All authority. 
all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now, let me ask you this question, a question this morning. If all authority is with Jesus, how much authority is left with us? Think about that for a moment. And then answer. <laughs> if all, everybody say all. If all, lahat. If all authority is given to Jesus, how much authority is left with us? None. None. We don't really have authority over people. And you know, when you talk about discipleship, it's not about authority over people. You know, and I believe that God is, Jesus is just delegating his authority to the church. And he, he did give us authority. In fact, when sin came, Satan basically took the authority that was given to, the, to our original parents, Adam and Eve, and basically to mankind to rule authority over the creation. But now Jesus said, all authority has been given back to him. And he's purchased that authority for us. By his blood. In fact, in Colossians chapter 2, verse 5, it says, And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a what? A public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. What he did was he took back the authority that was taken from us by Satan and gave it back to us. And so the authority that we're looking here is really the authority to minister. The authority over demons. How many of you know that you should not be afraid of demons? You should not be afraid of the dark, right? Even if there's a brownout. How many of you still are in brownout areas? You still have no electricity. Really? Oh, wow. I need to pray for you later. Grace, grace, Lord. How many of you don't have water in your... Really? How many days have you not taken a bath? I don't know. You probably, you know took the water from yeah well sorry to hear that you know it's really one major you know uh, storm that came into to um, the Philippines but anyway I believe God's grace is with you guys so all authority has been given to us all authority to to minister we don't really you know as disciples we don't really have authority over people. We're not called to micromanage the lives of people. How many of you know that? Maybe the reason why some of you don't like to join small groups is because I don't like to join small groups because I'm afraid the leader might, you know, tell me to do things that I don't like. You know, we're not there to police everything that you're going to be doing. You know, the, the leaders are there to help you in your walk with the Lord. They're not there to tell you what to do. Somehow we think that discipleship is, oh no, it's a master, uh, you know, a disciple relationship. You know, it's, it's not. You know, you walk alongside somebody and together you grow in your walk with the Lord. That's what discipleship is all about. We don't have authority over people. You know, and you know, I, I heard of some, like, some horror stories of, you know, people trying to even control the... You know, who, who the person in their group will marry. Can you imagine that? And the person in the group will ask, you know, do you think, you know, God is telling me that I should marry this guy? I mean, what authority does that leader have over your life to determine whether you should marry this person or not? You should be the one hearing from God. Amen. 
Nobody should be telling you, don't marry him, marry him. Because I want to marry him. You know, sometimes it happens. Uh-huh. Sometimes the reason why the leader does not want you to marry that guy is because I'm interested in that guy. And it can become weird if you don't, real, if you don't understand the authority structure. That you don't have an authority over the lives of people. What it does say is in, Matthew, in Mark chapter 16 that signs and wonders will follow those who believe. Now, how many believers do we have in this place? Can you please raise your hand. How many believers? Praise God. If you are saved, if you are a Christian, you are a believer. Amen. You believe that the Lord Jesus Christ died for your sins, paid the penalty, rose from the dead. You are a believer. Amen. And the Bible says, Mark chapter 16, and this signs will accompany or will follow those who believe. They will cast out demons. How many of you tried doing that? Yeah, that's why we should not be afraid of demons. They should be afraid of us as believers. Amen. These signs will accompany. The authority has been given back to us. You will speak in different languages. You will pick up snakes and you will not get hurt. Don't try that at home, okay? You will, in fact, in Matthew 16, it says, you will drink deadly poison. It will not hurt you. Now, don't be unwise and try to do that. Drink muriatic acid tonight. No, you don't do that. In the name of Jesus! I don't think that's wise. What that verse is saying is just in case you're in a situation where people would persecute you and even feed you poison, guess what? God Himself will protect you. That's what it means. Hindi yung Lord, I double dare you. And I want to drink this right now. And you want to try if you're built to, you know, to take in that muriatic acid. But no, it's, it doesn't say that way. And then the Bible says, you will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. I believe that that promise was not just given to the pastors and the people in the full-time ministry. That promise was given to every believer, to every one of us. Tell the person beside you, tell that person, you have that gift. You have that gift. We are anointed by God. That's why I believe every member is really a minister. Because you have the Holy Spirit. There's no baby Holy Spirit. Hello? It doesn't mean that the pastors get the bigger Holy Spirit and you have a mini, mini of Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit that rests in us is in you. And the same power and the same gifts that were given to us basically also were given to you. There's no distinction. We just do this full-time, vocationally. You know, we don't have any other things that we do except this. But the same call to minister, the same call to make disciples, wherever you are, that is your mission field. You might be in the campus, that is your mission field. You might be in your office, a call center, that is your mission field. You might be in a bank, you're a banker, that is your mission field. You might be a real estate broker, you're always... Doing some trip. Trip lang. Trip and trip. Di ba? <laughs> Wherever you go, guess what? That is your mission field. Maybe our calling card would be different, but our function is the same. God called us to make disciples. 
You may not be receiving a support from the church, but guess what? God is giving you your own support through that vocation that you're in or your, that business that you're in as you do the work of the ministry. Amen. That's why this go and make disciples really is not just for us. It's for every one of us. And it says, Surely. I love this word, surely. I love surely. Okay, surely. Okay, surely. Surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus is always going to be with us. The Holy Spirit is always going to be with us. He's never going to leave us nor forsake us. Good thing about this call or command or commission is, you know, when every time God gives us a command, He backs us up. He's there with us. And what, you know, what a feeling, right? You know, you know that you're sent and you know that somebody's backing you up. You know, if you're, if you're in a military unit and if you're sent out to war, you know, the, the most comforting thing that you can have is you know that your mother unit or your country is able to back you up. Now, we need to pray, of course, for our military so that they can really back us up. But discipleship is the process from Pastor Rice Brooks. Discipleship is the process whereby men and women follow Christ, are trained in His Word, grow to maturity, and learn to replicate themselves in others. So you will find that discipleship really is not just a one-time experience. When you became a Christian, you're not already a complete disciple. How many of you understand that? That you're not perfect yet. When you, the moment you receive Jesus Christ in your heart, guess what? You are in a sanctification process. And we know that. Whereby men and women follow Christ, they're trained in His Word, grow to maturity. We're all called to grow, right? How many of you know that babies are cute? You know, if you see a one-year-old child wearing diapers, that's cute, right? And even from time to time, this child would soil his diaper, you know, and he would start saying his first few words, Tata, Mama, it's so cute, right? And then he would discover how to walk, you know. Tata. One-year-old is cute wearing diapers, right? But a 40-year-old... Man wearing a diaper and trying to say, Dada, Mama. I don't think that's cute. Sad to say in the spirit, some Christians are kind of like that. They don't really grow. They remain spiritual babes. Their growth is stunted. But I believe discipleship is really a call for us to grow in maturity. Amen. And for us to be able to replicate ourselves in others. How do we obey the great commission of God when He said go? Very simple. First, you've got to be a disciple. This is the starting point. Be a disciple. Tell the person beside you, be a disciple. Okay, be a disciple. But what does it mean? How do I become a disciple? What do you mean by a disciple? A disciple comes from the Greek word mathetes, which means a pupil or a learner. 
or a student that is a disciple. You will find that even in the Greek world, you know, when Aristotle and those guys, Plato and Plato's son, Platito, uh, you know, when they were learning, they, they basically were disciples of their guru. So they were sitting down and they would, you know, listen and, and follow uh, what their teachers would tell them. But really the starting point of this discipleship journey is really when God calls us to be a disciple. We would find this in Matthew chapter 4, verse 18, when Jesus called the first disciples. They're basically Andrew and Peter, brothers. Si Andres at si Pedro. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were what? Fishermen. That's their profession. They were fishermen, and they were living in the Sea of Galilee uh, at that time. Verse 19, basically Jesus came and he said what? Come, follow me. Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men at once. Everybody say, at once. At once once they left their nets and followed him. There was no excuse anymore. When Jesus called the first disciples, there's no excuse. Hey, Lord, busy ako eh. Lord, I need to go back to my family. Or I need to go back to my job. Or maybe come back in five years, Lord. Wala na si Lord noon, five years. Three years lang siya dito eh. But at once, when they heard the voice of Jesus, they left their nets and followed Him. Jesus is calling all of us. Are you hearing His voice? Are you hearing His voice come and follow me? And if you hear that voice come and follow me, what will you do? I'm not saying that you leave your profession. Sabi ni pastor, resign. I resign tomorrow. No, no, I'm not, I'm not talking about that. Don't resign from your job. But what he was saying is, they were leaving behind their old life in order for them to live a brand new life. That is what they were saying. And in fact, Jesus said, you know, I'm going to call you to become fishers of men because that's the very profession that they are familiar with. Fishing. If they were shepherds, maybe he would have said, I will make you shepherds of men. But really, that's what they were uh, living out to do. So he said, come follow me. So basically, if you're looking at what a disciple is, very simple. A disciple is somebody who follows Jesus. My question for us this morning is, are we following Jesus? Or are we following a church? Or are we following a certain person? Are we following a pastor? Are we following a victory group leader? Are we just following a doctrine? Are we following just a certain belief system? Are we following a religious mindset? Or are we really following Jesus? I realize that we can come to church even if you come to the whole services of victory on a Sunday all six services from 9, 11, 1, 3, 5, 7, you can be here every time and yet not follow Jesus. Amen. You can be present in church and yet not be a Christian. Do you know that? In the same way that you can actually go to McDonald's and not be a hamburger. It doesn't follow that if you are in a certain place that you are automatically that. It's a decision that we make. 
Because following Jesus, actually, I want to quote, uh, quote Pastor Steve from his book, Accidental Missionary, which was retitled Wiki Church, by the way. He said, following Jesus means we believe in his word, imitate his character, and obey his commands. My question is, are we really following Jesus? Do we believe in his word? Are we familiar with the Bible? Do we even read our Bibles? Tell the person beside you, magbasa ka. Yeah. <laughs> Do you believe in that word? Do you believe in the promises that is found in scriptures? Do you imitate the character of Christ and you find that in the Gospels? You can only know that by being familiar with the word and obey. Everybody say obey. Obey His commands. If you follow Jesus, you will obey His commands. It's very simple. We don't follow any personality. We don't follow this church. We follow Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul said, follow me as I follow the example of Christ. And that's how we grow together as disciples of Jesus. We help each other as you follow the Lord and as you lead somebody to the Lord. Guess what? It's a close relationship that you have because you are actually going, growing together in your walk with Him. Going back to the verse, it did not stop there. In order for us to understand what a disciple is, it didn't stop with following Jesus. And Jesus said, and I will make you what? Fishers of men. What is a disciple again? A disciple is somebody who follows Jesus and somebody who fishes for people. It's not fishing for compliment. It's fishing for men to follow Jesus. It's helping another person follow Jesus. You don't just fish for people. You know, you don't fish for men. Single ladies, you don't just fish for men, okay? That is not what it literally means. It means that you fish for men in order for them to follow Jesus. And we talked about this last Sunday, so I don't need to elaborate on this. It talks about evangelism. We value lost people. Last thing about disciple is, what is a disciple? Somebody who follows or fellowships with other believers. And I think we're familiar with that last statement. A disciple is somebody who you know, is part of a group or is part of a congregation or is part of a church and fellowship. How many of you are familiar with the word fellowship? Fellowship is what? Two fellows in a ship? A fellowship is actually going together on a journey. That is what fellowshipping is. As we, you know, as we break bread together in Acts chapter 2, it says, you know, do not forsake, uh, uh, sorry, the, the, the apostles basically uh, took the time to listen to the apostles' teaching, the breaking of bread and prayer and in fellowship. And so they always have a fellowship uh, in the first century and even up to now, okay? Pastor Joy Bonifacio in his book, The Lego Principle, defined discipleship as very simple. Discipleship is basically what? It's relationship. Discipleship is relationship with God. You follow Jesus. It's a relationship with the lost. You fish for men. And it's a relationship with God's people as you fellowship with the believers. It's a threefold call or relationship that we have as disciples. So the first command that Jesus made was, come, follow me, and I will make you what? Fishers of men. And then we fast forward it to the first text that we have read earlier, and it says, go and make disciples of all nations. Basically, in order for us to be able to go, we have to first be 
a disciple, and then we can what? Make disciples. Let's say these words with me. Be a disciple. Make disciples. Because every member is a minister. You know, this call to make disciples is not really just a call for the full-time people, as I said earlier. It's a call for everybody. You know, if you look at the scripture in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 to 12, it says, It was he who gave some to be apostles. And basically, these are the five-fold ministry gifts in the church. These are like the full-time people. And we will study today what their job description is. Okay, it was God who gave some to be what? Apostles. Okay, apostles are those who govern the churches. They are called to lay down the foundation of faith in the church. That's the purpose of the apostle. Apostles are the ones that initiate church planting. They are the you know, and we have apostles in our uh, church in Victory and even internationally in every nation. And some to be what? Prophets. Prophets are the ones that speak the word of the Lord uh, prophetically. They see the future. They give direction. They, they serve as guides. So basically, when you talk about apostles, apostles govern. So can you please raise your, uh, your, your five fingers? How many of you have five fingers? Yeah, okay. Hindi pa Okay, your fingers are complete. Okay, five fingers, right? The uh, apostles basically is symbolized by the thumb. The thumb, okay, not the thumb, but the apostle, the apostle is called to govern. In fact, if you have the thumb, the thumb can actually touch all the other fingers of your hand. Try that. It's called to govern. Okay? The prophet is basically the guide. That is the index finger. Okay? The guide, or it actually points. It points to where you should go. The prophet, you know, thus saith the Lord. This is where you should go, or something like that. So if you receive a prophetic word, normally a prophetic word is some, somebody, uh, something that guides us through the prophet. Okay? Now the third guy in the list, okay, the third uh, of the fivefold, is the evangelist. That's the, the middle finger, the tallest finger of your hand. Right? And he's the gatherer. He's the gatherer. Very simple to understand. Okay? He gathers people. An evangelist is somebody, Billy Graham. I don't know if you know Billy Graham. He is one of the most, or the most famous modern evangelists that we have in our time. When he preaches to a million, guess what? People are getting saved. That's a gift. He's a gatherer. He's an evangelist. And some to be what? Pastors. Pastors are the one that has the ring finger. Because a pastor is somebody who shepherds the flock and he guards the flock, the ring. Okay? It represents, you know, family. It represents, you know, that particular part of ministry. And the last is the teacher. Teacher is somebody who teaches. Somebody who grinds us or grounds us in the Word. What's the purpose of the little finger? It's to clean your ears. Okay? You know, that's... Yinyan, okay? So that you will listen and... Hear the voice and the word of the Lord. Okay, Beyond. Union. So if you look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, it says, It was God who gave us apostles, uh, 
prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And what are they supposed to do? Are they just supposed to minister every time? Yes, God called us to minister. That's what I'm doing right now. I'm ministering. But I am not just to minister to everybody all the time. Because the job of the fivefold is to, verse 12, to what? To prepare. Everybody say to prepare. To prepare God's people. Who's God's people? Who are the, who are the people of God? Can you please raise your hand? So you're a people of God, okay? For the works of service so that the body of Christ may be what? Built up. So the, the job description of the full-time people is not just to minister but to prepare. To equip in another translation. In the NLT translation, it says their responsibility is what? To equip God's people. It is not just to minister because sometimes what people think the pastors or the full-time people need to do is minister to me all the time. Minister, minister, minister. Come on, minister, minister. Minister, I need you, I need you, I need you. No. We will be there to minister some, but we're also called to equip you, to prepare you to do what? To do His work. Who will do the work? God's people. The work will not just be done solely by the full-time people, but the work will be done even by the saints or the people of God to build the church. Now, this is a really interesting translation. Let's look at the Amplified. Cover your ears, it's loud, it's Amplified, okay? Uh, okay. His intention was the perfecting and the full equipping of the saints. How many, are, how many saints do we have in this place? Please raise your hand. You are a saint. You don't have to die to be a saint. You don't have to be canonized to be a saint. Hindi kayo kailangan kanyunin. Canonized, kanyunin. To become a saint. But the Bible simply says that the people of God are the saints. Okay? If you're a guy, you're a santo. If you're a girl, you're santa. How many saints do you have in this place? Please raise your hand. Come on, raise your hand. There you go. You are a saint. Even if you don't act like one, you are a saint, okay? <laughs> you are a saint because of His consecrated people. It's not because of what you do. It's because you've been consecrated by the blood of Jesus. Amen. That's why we're qualified to become saints. That we should do the work of ministering toward building the Christ body, the body, rather, the church. Next, uh, before we... You know, complete this message. I, I want to show you a short video just for us to be able to understand what making disciples is all about. Pero hindi ko alam kung naiintindihan niya yung nangyayari. Naging kaibigan ko si Georgie. At tinuruan niya ako ng konting sign language. Matalipas ang ilang buwan, nag-enroll ako sa isang sign language school. Habang natututo ako ng kanilang language, dumarami din yung umaatid sa church na may kaparehong pangangailangan. Kaya every Sunday, nagta-translate kami para sa kanila. Nakapagbantuan din kami. Masayang-masaya akong makita na yung mga nag-one-to-one ay nakapag-victory weekend na. Ngayon, 
sila naman yung nagawantuan sa iba nilang kasama. Nakakataba ng pusong makita kung paano nakatulong yung kakaunting nalalaman ko para makakilala sila kay Jesus. Ang discipleship pala, nagsisimula sa isang pagmamalasakit. Gusto mong makakilala ang lahat kay Jesus, pero merong mga tao nakakaiba yung pag-aalala mo sa kanila. At siguro, ang Diyos din ang nagbigay sa atin ng burden na yun. Pero iba yung saya na makita mo ang lahat ng tao malapit sa puso mo ang makakilala kay Jesus. Praise God. He's not a full-time pastor, but he's just burdened to reach out to people, deaf and mute. How many of you know that God can use anyone to minister the gospel? Amen. That's just one example. You know, our own, for example, one, one example I want to share here in this church is one of our ushers, Raymond Luta. Ray, can you just stand up? Wave your hand. Can we just give a hand to Ray? You know, Ray is, Ray is not really a full-time pastor. In fact, you see him in the choir. You see him as an usher. You see him everywhere. <laughs> it's like the Holy Spirit. Anyway, <laughs> but one of the things I admire about Ray is he's just available. You know, I heard from, uh, I think, Pastor Sani that there was one particular funeral service that we had to do uh, last Thursday. Pastor Sani went, and, you know, there was a brownout. I think it was in Kupang. One of the ushers passed away. And uh, they, they ministered, and you know, before Pastor Sunny stood up, Ray actually was the one who led in prayer. And last Saturday, yesterday, when they were asking for pastors to do the committal, because it's the burial of that particular uh, member, there's no one available among the pastors. There were only 10. And you know, I had to go to do a wedding. I did a wedding yesterday in Manila. Pastor Sunny was ministering. All the rest are, you know, they have their own responsibilities. And so Ray said, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to do the committal, and I'm going to pray for the person before the person is laid to rest. And he, I think he shared on Ecclesiastes chapter 3, you know, there's a time for everything, a time to be born, and a time to die. And God makes everything beautiful in His time. Can you imagine that? How many of you know that God can use anybody to minister? Amen? I'm going to give the Lord praise. Kulang na lang magkasal si but of course, if he does that, your marriage will be invalid, okay? It'll be null and void because it's not all that. You know, everything that we can do as a minister, except wedding, you can do as well. You can baptize people. You know, I believe that the early Christians in the, in the first century church were baptizing the, the new believers, and they're not full-time people. We're called to do the work of a minister. Because what? Every member is... A minister. Another guy I want to just uh, acknowledge is uh, Tito Panzer. Tito Panzer, actually, uh, you know Tito Panzer is also part of the choir. He's an usher. He's an intercessor. He actually is the one who also helped lead our missionary care. Uh, every time a missionary comes back from the field, they're the ones in charge to uh, give them uh, time to adjust. You know, basically, they provide for them. He does a regular uh, uh, training in order for them to be able to minister to the missionaries even in the field. I think they're also leaving uh, a month from now to go to Timor-Leste. They're not full-time, but they're doing that because God has called them to become a minister. Amen. Because every member is a minister. In fact, the promise is until we all reach the unity in the faith 
and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. Everybody say mature. The question is, sometimes our mindset is, Lord, how can I minister? I'm not yet mature. I'm not fully equipped yet. I don't know what to do. Guess what? As you do the work of the ministry, that's the time that you become mature. You don't do it the opposite. You don't wait for your maturity first before you do the work of the ministry. That's what the scripture says. Verse 12 precedes verse 13. Verse 12 talks about the people of God doing the works of the ministry. Verse 13 talks about then becoming mature. As you do the work of the ministry, as you lay hands on the sick, as you minister to people, guess what? The maturity level that you have in the Lord is going to happen. Amen? Main point I want to share is be a disciple. Make disciples. I want to end with this. John chapter 20, verse 21 says, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Amen? Can we just give the Lord praise this morning? We hope you were inspired by that message. Read more about the Victory's 30th anniversary celebration by visiting our website at www.victoryalabang.org and joining us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Happy anniversary and stay connected.